naturally, if you've gone through that kind of trauma, it's difficult to feel safe and difficult to trust. Do you find it difficult to trust? Um, this is looking a lot. <laughs> the thing with like reality uh, relationships is that people don't think it's real. You know, my bubble. And you survived. And you you did well yeah and when i did uh slabs go dating one of the female like experts actually said that you go into survival mode and and this is why you find it difficult to like learn in relationships because you've always had to survive have you ever found yourself picking toxic partners do you think childhood trauma can affect who you pick in later life well then this podcast is for you this podcast is with Jessica Power. You may recognise her from Married at First Sight. And by her own admission, in this podcast, she talks about toxic attachments and unhealthy partner selection. So I ask you, as you listen to this amazing podcast, to listen with a learning attitude, to listen with no judgment and kindness, and enjoy Jessica's remarkable turnaround. Welcome, Jessica. Lovely to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, great. And actually, you're from Manchester, so it's not been that far, has it? No, not really. Um, it was like a half an hour drive. But I mean, listen, it's this feels like more like the countryside to me. Okay, but yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I love it around here. So how long have you been in Manchester for? I have been here just over a year now. Mm -hmm. um, I go back and forth all the time to Australia for to see my family and for work. Uh, but I just, I, I don't know what it is about Manchester. I love it. So you're picking Manchester ahead of Australia, aren't you? Definitely. And, I, you know, everybody always asks me, like, why didn't you move to London? I think right. that's like the typical tourist question. Like, why not London? Okay. I feel the further north you go, the better it is. Yeah. And the people are nicer and... Just the vibes are good. Yeah, Manchester's got the best vibes. Uh, miss the sun? Do you know what? I don't miss waking up every morning at 6am in the morning oh. when the sun's beaming through, you know, my windows. I can't sleep in. You hear the birds chirping. It's actually really nice sometimes to have the cold. Um, today's been a really lovely day, yeah, which is like really rare for Manchester. <laughs> yeah. But uh, last year... I seen snow and it's not it's not the first time I've seen it but it was like it was sort of like quite magical as yeah, opposed to like Australia's always hot or cold that's all it is I love the positive spin I love it so obviously I, I've it's lovely having you on here and I kind of know you from Married at First Sight and then a few shows from there but I want to go straight into Married at First Sight <laughs> if that's okay so let's just stop before we talk about the actual yeah, yeah. event as it is what made you consider going on Married at First Sight? Do you know what? Um, I, so three years in a, in a row, I was asked to do it. So first okay. first year, I had a boyfriend. Uh, second year, we'd just broken up and we, we'd been together for quite a few years. So I said mm -hmm. no. And then the third year, I was, um, you know, I was an EA. I was working in a mining company for like quite a male-dominated industry. I wasn't really going anywhere and there wasn't really much room for me to grow. And I sort of sat there and I got the email again. I went, do you know what? Is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? No. So I just said, I'll put my name in the hat. I'll see what happens. I won't get it. But next minute, I'm getting married. Um, it's just crazy concept. Yeah, it was. It, for, and they call it an experiment, yeah? Yeah, it's an, it, well, it's an experiment um, and you're in, you know, this bubble. But... Really, it's just a big pot of hell. <laughs> yeah. 
drama. <laughs> there was a lot. And I like speaking to a lot of like my co- like my uh, co-stars or like, mm-hmm. you know, people that were I, I did the show with, um, their I guess audition process was a lot like lengthier than mine. Um right. I think I so I was the second youngest that was on the show and I basically did my interview uh, video got sent over to Sydney straight away and they asked me a question question and the question was if you seen somebody else that you liked more than your husband would you go there and I said I'm the type of woman who always gets what she wants (laughs) and if I'm not happy okay I'll do it Next minute, contracts are signed. Next minute, I'm choosing a wedding dress. And um, I guess I just, I, I didn't really have an idea of what I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it just sort of goes on. Yeah. It's, um, so you were painted out. I think every series has a little bit of a pantomime villain and they kind of created one for you here, which in a way, creates interest to the show, but can have positive and negative effects on you personally, you know, your career. But let's just go a little bit into it. So you're you're in the mining um, EA, you're in this mining firm. You've now broken up from your boyfriend, you said? Uh, Yeah, so he and I had been broken up for over a year. Uh Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're now single. Yeah. And then you decide, you know what? I'm going to go unmarried at first sight. Yeah, I just thought, you know what? They've asked me three years. I'll chuck my name in the hat. Uh-huh. I'll do it and just see what happens. Like, you know, I won't get it. I honestly did not for one second thought I'd get a, like a phone call back. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't tell any of my family because I just didn't think any, anything would come from it. Mm-hmm. And I... I think at the time I was 26 and I just, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And I think when you do your first show, you just, you never know. Uh, You don't know the producer's sort of ways of manipulating things. You don't know the lengthy process of filming and you don't really realize how much you miss your creature comforts of like your friendships and your home and living out of a suitcase and also marrying a like a complete stranger who you've never met in your entire life who you've had to walk down the aisle six times before you can you can actually see him because they need the perfect camera angles right um you got my dad in my ear saying we can just turn around now we can turn around now let's just leave and yeah I don't know it was just it was a massive whirlwind it was crazy um and then I think the years after just were a little, like even, you know, probably worse, mm-hmm. but they, you know. So just so um, people on, you know, who are listening know, so you married Mick first sight, you then developed feelings for, what was the guy's name again? Dan. Dan, that's it. And then you then had a relationship with Dan. It was a little bit of a secret initially, mm. is that right? Mm. And then... You obviously brave went on the reunion show, talked it through with all the co-stars. It was part of just your own journey, wasn't it? You can mm. see they picked you a little bit to cause a bit of drama. Yeah. Um, but you got obviously some attention from that. How did you cope with that transition? Obviously, it's all being broadcast to hundreds of thousands, not more millions of people. Um, how did you cope with all that? And talk me through what was just going through your head as you went through that whole process. 
So initially when I was matched with, with Mick, my first thought was um, like, I'm really glad that he's not like a lot older um, and, you know, he looked great in his suit and it was really, and it, you know, we did have fun. I think uh, the speech, I don't know if you if you know about this, but his best man did a speech and it was highly inappropriate to the fact that my dad and my, my brother actually had to stand up and take him like away and sort of talk about it and... I mean, it's scary because you're going to go home with a guy that you don't know. Mm. And I've never had a one night stand. Like I've never, not saying that we slept together, but like I've never even just gone home randomly with a a male. Um, So that was a bit scary. And then, you know, going through the uh, experiment, I sort of, you know, started to realize that Mick and I just really had nothing in common. Mm. Um, You know, he was basically, you know, black and I was white. Mm. He just loved everything different to I did it's normal as you get to know someone yeah, yeah. you realise you don't vibe and I think a lot on these shows they don't actually match people sometimes not not everybody for a genuine match and I generally don't think mine and, and mix match mix uh, mix match yeah <laughs> what mix match yeah was for um, love I think yeah. it was just like more entertainment so then they put the uh you know, Dan and Tamara in and the other people. And yeah, definitely I, Dan was a hundred percent more my type. You know, mm. he was uh, muscly tattooed. <laughs> um, he had a son and for some reason, I don't know what it was like before I used to always sort of be attracted to men that did have children because I could sort of sort of see what they were like as a father. Mm. If, you know, we did progress in our relationship mm. and we just hit it off from day one. Um, it was really, really good. And then we, it was very secretive. Martha knew about it. Um, I had to come out to a room full of people who absolutely had no idea besides Martha that we were having an affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though Mick and Tamara generally, they, they, they knew a, a bit about it, but I think it was more the tears and everything was more like, I feel a bit embarrassed. I've yes. just been, you know, just yeah. humiliated in front of everyone. And then we were together for quite a while and moved to the Gold Coast. I was from Perth originally, moved to the Gold Coast. Um, so you're get- now with Dan in the, with the Gold Coast? Yeah. So so after the show had finished, was, I moved to the Gold Coast, was with Dan. We were together for quite a while. And then we were doing the reunion uh, sort of ending. And uh, he and I broke up on live TV. Which for someone who was quite young, like 27, mm. it really broke my heart because I was you know, five minutes prior, we, he told me he loved me and he can't wait to spend the rest, the rest of his life with me. And um, yeah, it, it hurt me. And yeah, then a year later, I become really good close friends with Tamara, which was his ex-wife. Yeah. And she showed me text messages of of her and Dan and Dan was saying make sure you watch tonight because it's going to be TV gold I can't wait to throw her under the bus basically um which I guess really hurt at the time like I was I was really heartbroken I I don't think I really left my room for like a few months I missed out like on, on a lot of work I let a lot of opportunities go and the thing with like online uh, sorry with reality like reality uh relationships is that people don't think it's real mm. but it was very real for me and I moved my whole life away from my family my friends my job my like you know my bubble yeah. to be, be with this guy who wasn't genuine yeah. and then 
the reunion rolled around, which I think was uh, January last year, or I think the uh, yeah, I think it was around that time, and they showed parts of uh, mine and Dan's final vows, which I actually didn't get to see uh, on TV, and it made me really emotional. I was quite upset because it wasn't the fact that like everyone was upset what we'd done and that we cheated and we we'd, done, we'd gone behind our partner's backs, but I genuinely did love him. Mm-hmm. And to see our final vows and to see, oh my God, I don't want to get emotional now, what the hell? <laughs> but to see all of that, it, it hurt me. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, you get the onslaught of the messages of like sucked in, like you deserved it. Um, and then there's like the radio interviews where girls are ringing up and saying when Jessica was with Dan, um, he was messaging me and I've got the messages right. and... And they're inboxing me and sending me the inbox messages. And and you can see it. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know, it was a lot. And I feel like I really got slammed, but people didn't really understand at the time that I was actually generally going through a breakup and I was actually generally hurt. And I had no one. I had no friends. I'm lucky I had family on the Gold Coast. Uh-huh. And Dan offered no support offered nothing and I think it was not until a year after where I was um promoting I, I was I, I was doing something with like <clears throat> Scotty T and Jordan Weekender from here which was like a big deal for like an Aussie to be able to be invited to that he walked into the club and uh basically seeing where I was at and where my career was going and it was just up and up and he messaged me saying, I love you and I miss you and I want to be back with you and I just Dan thought, messaged you saying that yeah and I just thought you know what like I have been like through the worst of the worst and I've had people messaging me saying sucked in and all these horrible things and I haven't been able to physically function. You were just like out here with girls on Instagram, like you don't really care. Now knowing that it was all just a big, you know, facade to you made me, like it hurts and it still does. I think it's really interesting because when you watch reality TV, even myself, and you see couples come out, naturally you do wonder, first of all, how are they going to acclimatize in, the, in outside of this bubble, as you put it? But secondly, is it genuine? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's it's interesting to hear that it was genuine for you, mm. but it probably wasn't genuine for him, or at least, especially towards the end, he seems to have separated himself from empathy and kindness towards you because mm. he threw you under the bus on live TV and then kind of comes back when he sees there's probably another game to be had isn't it mm. and the thing is is like I've had girlfriends that never watched the show because they just wanted to be my friends and they didn't want to sort of you know watch me in a way like that tv could perceive me but they rang me the day that because it's, like, it's on youtube you can watch the live breakup and mm. they rang me and they said are you okay and I literally just like, I couldn't even talk about it. But there are people that off our season, like, you know, Jules and Cam, they're married, they've got a baby. Mm-hmm. Martha and Michael, they're engaged, they're um, having a baby, but pregnant at the minute. So it is genuine in some way. Yeah. But uh, there are definitely relationships that get put together where it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's for the entertainment value. Yeah. And people yeah. just want to see the drama mm. and they want to see it un- unfold. And, Sitting behind a com- like you know your, your phone screen or your computer screen, you mm. can say whatever you want. And this is my yeah. biggest thing: like your words hurt. Words yeah. can hurt. Absolutely. 
And over the years, I've learned to like, you know, have a tougher skin. But that's sort of why I use my platform now to just, you know, encourage people to be kinder and encourage people to realize that, yeah, okay, you write those, you know, couple sentences, but that can really affect someone Mm -hmm. and it can push them to be, you know, like mentally not stable. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, Married at First Sight was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, Would you do it like again? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can see it was. Um, and and I've actually talked previously on um, on this podcast where just how much a comment on Instagram or TikTok or platform or even just in person can really affect someone because no one really knows what's going on in someone's mm. life and I can understand that. Can I just ask you, so you've gone and married at first sight. Let's rewind. So talk to me about relationships because there must be a very interesting kind of pattern of thinking of the relationships to say, oh, no, I'll go and married at first sight. How were your relationships before that? I don't mind talking about childhood or mm. or relationships with men before that. Um, so I dated <clears> somebody <throat> for five and a half years um, and... I'm not like pushy, right? But I'm the I'm I'm the type of person that sort of needs to know. All right, so where do we see ourselves in five years? Mm. Like, will we be engaged? Will we have children? Like, what's happening? We have we own a home together. So what's like what what will happen? Need a plan. Um, yeah, need a plan. You know, and he was getting into. Uh, this is the first time I've ever spoken about this ex anywhere, <laughs> and I I hope he doesn't get upset. But anyway, um. He was really into his music producing. And to be fair, from what I can tell now, because my uh, sister's fiance is best friends with him, mm-hmm. he has gone really, really far in his music producing career. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's doing really well. And we broke up. Uh, and then I think after that, it was, I just said he's like really toxic guys. And it was like, I think it was just more trying to cover up my hurt. And I, and, and I was, you know, I think somebody asked me the other day what was like what would be the one thing that you've learned in 2022 and it's like or from like a younger age and it's like not like learn not to be love bombed Mm -hmm. and that's what I was doing when I was that age I was being love bombed by these narcissistic men who would you know give me the world and introduce me to their family and like you know want kids and they want to like you know a house and like all these things that women you know essentially want Mm -hmm. Um, and then it turns into cheating or like, you know, then like, you know, just, I can't say too, like legally can't say too much because Mm. I've been legally like through two court battles with two of my exes. Oh gosh. And so then it's just, yeah, you sort of just get a bit like confused about what you want in a guy. And Mm. I think perhaps those qualities didn't attract me to Dan, but I think maybe in a sense it was what I was, you know, like the the tattoos, the muscles, the you know all of the like you're you're perfect, you're amazing, you're so good looking, like yeah. like the attention, yeah, um, was what attracted me, mm-hmm. and so that was yeah, I guess my past relationship they were bad. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because you're talking about the shower of affection, mm. um, probably because you're seeking, you're looking to seek value. Yeah. And when you get that immediate value from a certain type of person, yeah. you probably throw yourself into it as well. Mm. So already you felt like you were on a bit of a toxic relationship out, toxic relationship out. What do you think was attracting you to those 
kind of guys well i definitely had like i had a really uh, horrible childhood which is okay. quite documented like it's not something i'm afraid to talk about um my mother was a drug addict from a very very young age uh-huh. i didn't have my father around and i was sort of like the mum to my younger brothers and sisters from a very like 14 years old you know uh-huh. so i think um in like my early ages of like dating and like relationships i just wanted validation like I wanted I wanted someone to love me and I wanted someone to tell me me that I was good and I wanted someone to sort of look after me because I was always one that did that to everybody else yeah in my life if that makes sense so um you and then but then you meet these men that sort of see that and they they take I guess advantage of it and yeah I think that's sort of where I went down the wrong path with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting actually because um, there's a concept called life traps mm. and life traps, um, some people suggest that they're formed in childhood. So that life trap can be one of abandonment. It can be one of rejection. Mm. It can be one of, of seeking validation. And um, there's an interesting article out that actually said the best way to um, consistently continue with life traps is partner selection mm. so let's say you felt rejected in in your childhood what happens is you end up picking a guy that's probably going to reject you or a girl if it's a different um and then when they reject you you try and not get rejected yeah and you go through this cycle of picking people that will ultimately perpetuate this life trap Mm. trying to control it and master it and it sounds so bananas but I actually think it's true I think um, when you feel abandoned when you feel rejected you kind of put yourself in situations where that may happen again and you try and make it not happen because you're used to that it's comfortable yeah definitely believe that I mean look there was definitely things that I let go in relationships like past with like you know cheating or um, you know other women and uh just little things like that, which, you know, any normal couple relationship, which, you know, I mean, I'm in a perfectly happy, loving relationship now, just would never slide. Mm -hmm. But because I just so didn't want this person to like, not want to be with me, I would accept it. And, um, you know, seeking sort of, uh, you know, help from a professional Mm -hmm. has sort of taught me to bring myself back down to okay like this is where your abandonment issues are from Mm -hmm. and this is how this is why you feel the way you feel and um my empathy levels are really low so like if someone come to me with an issue or a problem um it's it it comes across as rude sometimes for me but i seem quite dismissal and uh, it's just like my empathy really Mm. why do you think your empathy levels are low because I have had such a horrible childhood to a point where like, you know, you telling me that, um, I don't know, your wife didn't pick up something from the shops mm. or, or like, and you really, really asked her, you've asked her 12 times or mm. um, your wife stayed out all night mm. uh, wanting to do, I don't know, something like that to yeah. me, to me in my life, in, in my world is, it's just, like I was left at home with my, when I was 14, I was left at home with my one week old brother for mm. an entire week while my mom was on a drug bender. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, my empathy levels to some people aren't, you know, just normal because it's like, well, is it really that bad? 
Mm. Like, are you really that upset? But but I and I'm learning to be like that. I am learning yeah. to go. Okay, well, this is what's upset them. Um, I need to understand that, and I need to really you know focus and make sure that I accept their feelings and acknowledge it and that's how you move together as a relationship Mm -hmm. it's really interesting so I think you've called it empathy levels I'd probably reframe it slightly Um, when you've gone through a survival mechanism Mm. like that where you've just been left alone with a young child you've got to survive you don't feel equipped to it your mind naturally numbs the pain Mm. Because you've just got to get on with it. Yeah. You've got no choice. And what then happens is it was successful for coping. It might not have been a good coping strategy. But (laughs) at that time when you're so young, it was the only possible coping strategy. But then what happens is as we get older, we maintain that maladaptive coping strategy. And that's of numbing. Yeah. Mm. And that's normal. And as you say, you're now trying. For me, it's not a lack of empathy when I really listen to what you're saying. I would say, because of my previous situations, I hit survival mode. And mm. my survival mode, um, you know, you've got freeze, you've got flight, you've got fight. Yours mm. is freeze, yours is numb. Yeah. yeah. And I numbed to survive. And now I naturally do it. And I don't mean to, but I just numb the situation where I'm not engaging just because that's how I do it. Exactly. And, and I don't, you know, and I think you know, the fact that you are able to elicit it and aware of it, you'll be able to reframe and reorder it. Um, but it's surviving and you survived and y- mm. you did well. Yeah. And, and when I did uh, Slebs Go Dating, uh, one of the female like experts actually said that she goes, you know, you, do, you don't go into like, you go into survival mode and, and this is why you find it difficult to like learn in relationships because you've always had to survive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I completely get that. Yeah, I think I think it's true actually, and uh, one of the things that will be most important for you is to feel safe. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And and but you have to accept it when you actually feel it because yeah. naturally, if you've gone through that kind of trauma, it's difficult to it feel safe difficult. and difficult to trust. Do you find it difficult to trust? Um, do you know what? With my partner, he is probably the only guy that I have met that makes me feel 100% safe um I've never once ever thought I need to go through his phone I need to go through his Instagram like if he says he's going to go and hang out with his friends like I need to know where he is like what time are you coming home like honestly and I don't know what it is that he does because we've never I've never asked those questions we never had that back and forth um he is aware of my past relationships and how I was treated but I've never for some reason with him felt uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I I know that he knows that when I react a little bit over the top in a situation that is very minuscule to him mm-hmm. he acknowledges it rather than dismisses me mm-hmm. and says you're being crazy you're acting out just stop he'll actually sit down he'll go okay like Jess this is mm-hmm. how I feel this is how you feel and this is how we should go about it and I think yeah out of like all the boyfriends I've had and I'm telling you there's many few <laughs> uh he's probably the only person that's made me feel safe and comfortable and happy and um yeah we just We've never had an argument where it's been horrible or bad or screamed or, you know, told each other, no, you can't do that or no, you can't do this. So So it's not toxic? Not at all. <laughs> but I don't know How where... How does that feel? 
Oh, it's so good. Oh my <laughs> god, I'm telling you, it's so good. Like he wants it, he's going out all weekend with his friends, like they're doing Halloween stuff or whatever. And I'm like, bye, like me and Sushi our dog. I'm like, we're gonna just sit at home. like you know, I'm and normally I would be like, Oh my god, like he's going out all weekend, like who like who's gonna be there? What girls yeah. will be there? Like like is he gonna text me? Like if he doesn't text me back in like ten minutes, I'd be like, We're like like mm. on the phone. Mm. Connor can sometimes not message me like most of the night and I'll be like sweet he'll like rock up at home with like a takeaway and he's like hi babe love you had the best (laughs) night and I won't it's weird because I don't know where my brain has switched to just trust this man completely Mm. because I feel like trust is something that you you earn Mm. whereas Connor's never really tried like he's never earned it but it's just Mm. always been there Mm -hmm. if that makes Mm -hmm. sense it does I actually think um, small interaction and communication is key to that and mm. it sounds like he communicates well he does and, and to be fair we did speak online for five months every single day before I came over uh-huh. so I think we got to actually learn to so you got kn- to get to know him yeah get to know each other different to married at first sight yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so we got and I thought it was really good for a relationship because I feel like when you meet somebody you want a few dates you sleep together and then it's, it's like it's either you really love each other or it's lust mm-hmm. And I feel like with us, it's like we got to talk for five months every single day, find out everything about each other. And then the physical after was, you know, good enough for everything to be a relationship. And I think that means that our relationship isn't based around like just lust and like perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that goes back to the live traps, actually, because you, by having this online relationship, you actually probably developed the perfect way of filtering out the right guy who mm. was good for you whereas i think when you're doing it in person sometimes we all do it we all self-sabotage we all do different things as you say there's lust there's that chemistry you know um there is a suggestion that actually if you've gone through childhood trauma when you are out and you're feeling a chemistry with someone it's an over chemistry it's almost like an instant lust mm. instant love there's a suggestion that's actually called it's called schema chemistry where you're actually perpetuating this life of trauma and that person's actually not good for you mm-hmm. and actually rather than looking for that instant connection looking for the kind of things you were saying that safety non-toxicity communication mm-hmm. those kind of elements as well as obviously fancying someone yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, will lead to a better more longer uh, relationship that lasts longer which is actually probably what you did with your online communication mm. and I think this is the longest relationship I've been in since married at first night mm. so it's our one year anniversary this sunday oh congratulations <laughs> but you know, but like normally for me it's three months or like two months mm-hmm. and i feel like those three months or two months just go forever mm-hmm. um with connor i just like he and i we said to each other the other day like oh my god it's been a year like what <laughs> and this is like not including our five month mm-hmm. like online talking this is me physically being with him for and a you moved year. to manchester yeah, I'm in Manchester. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Must be real, that's all I can say. Yeah. I know, sounds good. So you're sat in Manchester. You've, I can see that you've opened an OnlyFans page. Um, so I never actually really wanted to do OnlyFans. Okay. I was always asked um, when OnlyFans sort of came popular with reality stars. I, um, I always said no. Like, I, like I, obviously, I always have people say, like, you know, do it, do it, do it. And I was like, you know what? I, I earn enough money from what I'm doing right now. I don't really need to do it. I was doing a lot of TV. I mm-hmm. didn't... There was just no reason for me to need to do it. Um, I obviously didn't know about the sort of money you could earn on OnlyFans. Okay. 
So I was doing, I'd done two TV shows in one year in Australia. And so, and that was when COVID was around. So I was obviously doing a lot of police quarantining. Like, so I'd go from Sydney and back home to the Gold Coast and I need to quarantine for two weeks. In the hotel. Yeah, in the hotel. I remember that. Can't, you can't go outside. There's no, you, you can't do anything. Basically, you're just stuck there for two weeks. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna start it up. Oh, in the COVID lockdown. Yeah, but like just Brilliant. just in the just okay. in the police quarantine. Yeah. And I said, you know, I'm and I've always said to myself, I'm not going to do because um, there are a lot of girls on there that go quite hardcore, and hmm. it, no disrespect to them. I hmm. think you know, if whatever you feel comfortable with is whatever you feel comfortable with, you do you. Like I would never ever ever shame a woman for hmm. wanting to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. So I just so I thought, you know what, I post bikini and lingerie pictures on my instagram for mm-hmm. free so mm-hmm. i took everything down off my instagram and mm-hmm. i posted in the first week i posted um one like just lingerie picture and one topless photo and i think uh one quick little like five snippet video of me in the shower topless mm-hmm. and i made like eighty thousand usd oh really so it's popular. So it's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Did, actually, and did you get a lot of um, hate or negative messages when you went on OnlyFans? No. Oh, good. Which I which I found very odd. I did I did find really odd. I did get the odd like when I would do a Q and A on Instagram, people would be like, "Well, I thought you always said you'd never do it, so like, why mm. are you doing it?" And I just like choose to not answer it. Like I'm yeah. just like, oh, I can't bothered. Um, yeah. but not really. No, my dad. Thing, yes. However. <laughs> How does your dad feel? So, um... <laughs> Just thinking about how to say that. Uh, I got a phone call one day. And, from your dad? Yeah, from my dad. And my OnlyFans a video that I had done, which went viral. Oh, okay. Like, I was doing, like, news, mm. uh, radio interviews. Like, mm. this went everywhere. It went on newspapers, magazines, everywhere. Okay. I, I, and it was like this... It wasn't even, like, that much of a crazy video. Okay. My dad goes, Jessica, do you have do you have OnlyFans? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, I I I've, I've just opened because he reads the paper every yeah. single day. He goes, I've just opened the, I've just opened it. You're on the second page of the paper. You've got OnlyFans. There's a whole thing about it. Like, what are you doing on, on, on what's the, what is this? And I was like, shit, 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 because <laughs> my dad's like pretty old school, yeah. you know. So I was like, ah. Oh. Uh, no, dad, dad, dad. It's an ex-boyfriend who's like totally trying to like <laughs> sell me out. Like, you know, like this is revenge porn, dad. Like he can't do that. And then I got a screenshot of my OnlyFans like uh, oh, profile. No. Like you couldn't see yeah. anything, obviously. Yeah. And my dad goes, don't ever lie to me again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think since then it's just sort of a more like don't ask, don't care yeah. type thing. You've got to um, do your own three. Yeah, so like, my, well, you know, my dad's uh, just recently one of his veneers done and it was 50,000 Australian and I was able to afford it for him and oh. my sister wanted to, you know, like go through university and I was able to afford that for her and my nephews get, you know, whatever they whatever they need or mm-hmm. want. Um, I was able to create a job for my sister as my social media assistant, which mm-hmm. basically I never really needed, but mm-hmm. she's a stay-at-home mom and... Lovely. All these things from OnlyFans, but also then being able to like benefit myself with like, you know, investment property, um, businesses, travel. I mean, 
why not? So it's been a positive influence. Yeah, like, you know, if you really... And you and, seem like you enjoy also, it, actually. And also, I don't do anything crazy either. Yeah, you do what you want, yeah. it's clear. Yeah. So that's the only thing. Yeah, very good, very good. You know? It's a life-changing amount of money, really. Yeah. And it's all in and USD as well. And at yeah. the minute, the US like US <laughs> yeah. dollar is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is good. So, yeah. No, very good. Um, so, just, you're now in Manchester, you're now doing properties and things like that. I just want to go back to, because it's, it's a little bit of a success story, because you were the villain, you know, and I, actually, I kind of saw the clips I where was. you were the villain, and I kind of got sold into it, just because they did such a good job at editing the show to show you as the villain. It was an edit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was just a bitch. Okay. <laughs> so, talk to me then about how you've changed because I can see the change and I think the fact you can acknowledge it is fantastic and so talk to me about how you managed to achieve that change um so do you like as I said earlier I was 26 when I went on the show turned 27 while I was on the show and everyone always says to me like was it was it scripted was it edited was it was it this was it that and I said and I've always said from day one, no, it's not scripted. It's not edited. I was just a bitch. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. I didn't care about tomorrow's feelings. I didn't care about mixed feelings. I didn't care about what anyone else thought because I thought I was in love with this like amazing guy who has no neck. <laughs> um, and um, and obviously I was horrible on the mm-hmm. show. Like I wasn't, I wasn't a nice girl. And I've, and I've always said that, like I was not a nice person on that show. Like I was really, really nasty. I had no empathy. I didn't really care about anyone else. Um, best thing to come from it is Tamara and I are actually really good friends now. She lives oh, in lovely. Leeds. Love Did, her. Oh, she's in England as well. Yeah, she's in England. Okay. Love her to death. Um, I, you know, just uh, like, it took me two years to turn my whole personality around and my whole, I don't know, just like like the public's view on, on, on how to view me, you mm. know, like, and I think... It's amazing, I think. It Yeah, but like two years is a really yeah. long time. And then... But you persisted though. Yeah, very, very much so. And, 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 and people, people will message me sometimes on Instagram if I like post a story and they'll say why are you still posting like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I had social media before I was on TV. Like I'm allowed to post. Like I'm like, it's a platform that everyone had. Um, but I have, as opposed to posting pictures on my grid, I have done a lot of videos and I, and I post, post a lot of like my day to day life. So people can sort of understand who I am, what I'm like. Um, I answer to a lot of like, you know, young women, old women, old women, uh, gay men, straight men, uh, you know, lesbian, bi, everyone, mm. because I don't feel like there should be any, um, you know, no one should be said, uh, what's the word? Segregated? Yeah. Yeah. Segregated. Uh, online mm-hmm. and... I think that's sort of like won me brownie points and now mm. it's all, sort of all turned around and I have a lot more opportunity now. Like there's a lot more TV, there's mm. a lot more work. Um, people are interested in like what I'm doing, mm. uh, you know, the businesses that are coming out, I'm excited about, even though I'm like nervous because that's just normal. But I, yeah, like it, it has been a really, 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 really long three years, mm. but um. I mean, I'm just, I actually have to say I'm proud of yeah, myself. of course. And 
for everybody out of married at first sight, no matter what season it is. And I'm not saying this in a negative, nasty, bitchy way, but I am the only person who has pushed forward and been on more TV, um, had their platform reached more and just, I guess, been relatable. Like, you know, like Martha, I love her. She's gorgeous. You know, she's sassy. She's beautiful. But... She's very, like, media trained. Mm. She's very, you know, like, got her niche. And then you've got Jules, awesome, beautiful, lovely. Mm. But she's also the same. Whereas I may not have... Uh, so I've got 380,000 followers. But I... it's But all my followers follow me because I'm just real. Yeah. Like, not because I'm, you know, like, trying to make, you know, my skin skincare look amazing or, yeah. like, my, my fashion look amazing. Or, like, I wake up in the morning and I... <laughs> I'll sit there and I'll say, my hair's like crazy and I'm wearing like my, you know, my dog, like my sausage dog, Udi. Yeah. And I will like say to Connor, like, am I attractive? And he's like, oh my God. But it'd be like, that's why I post yeah. my story because I just want everyone to realize that like, no matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, like we're all just like so normal and we're mm-hmm. all the same people and like we all will feel the same emotions. And I think that's great. I think... You're giving a more raw kind of social media, mm. the real authentic you. Mm. And it's probably why your engagement's so good. Yeah. It's probably why um, two of my publicists have quit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just refuse. But do you know what it is? I've, I've said from day one, I refuse to be, you know, like, um, I don't know, moulded into this person that you want me to be. Like, of course, yeah. I, like, you know, if I'm at an, like at an event, I'll, I'll act a certain way. But... I'm not going to be this perfect, you know, you know, picture perfect person on social media because this is where young women get their wrong um, ideas on like, you know, beauty and yeah. what, um, you know, the standard is and how they should look and how they should feel and mm-hmm. like their, how, should they, how their bodies should look. Like, as I said to you earlier before, like I, I'm still not happy with how the shape of my body is and I'm 31. Mm-hmm. So you get these young women on social media who are like 14, 16 and they're going through puberty and, you know, they've got, you know, like they're being sexualized mm. online or they're being sexualized by maybe boys or girls at their mm. school and they're saying like you've got no boobs or you've got big boobs or like mm. all these things. And I just really want it to just be... No matter how you feel is normal and no matter how if you wake up if you wake up in the morning and you feel like you look good, then you look good. Like mm. no matter what anybody says to you that day. Yeah, very good. So I don't know. Yeah. That's how I use my power. No, I think it's great. So what does the future hold for you? <laughs> Do you know what my You man- have a plan, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> My manager asks me this all the time. He's like, because like, cause as I said to you earlier, yeah. like, you know, I always say, what's your five-year yeah. plan? Like, yeah. where, like, what's happening? What's going on? So what's your five-year plan? <laughs> Jeez Louise. If I didn't have a boyfriend uh-huh. um, and I didn't have my dog, yeah. my five-year plan would probably be, I'd probably be uh, looking at going to America because mm-hmm. I have been invited there uh, for other shows mm-hmm. and for more media and like uh, modeling. Um... I'd probably end up with another absolute loser and then break <laughs> up and then be everywhere. But because I'm with Connor and I'm happy and I'm comfortable yeah. here, I Good. think my five-year plan is open up my loungewear line, my lip line. Um, if an amazing TV opportunity comes up, go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor and I are looking at doing our own podcast, which has got like a Brilliant. really, really fun spin on it. It's not like this 
like I, like I do enjoy these like mm-hmm. you know these chats but ours is like be more raw it's a bit no it's a bit uh outside the box okay. and I can't say too much otherwise you'll get yeah, mad no, at me but no. it's gonna be really really fun yeah so I'm gonna do that and um yeah I don't know like I mean I'm 31 like I would I think in the next five years I'd love to on the horizon maybe be pregnant mm. or engaged I'm definitely pregnant jeez anyone <laughs> 36 yeah so but you just you never know you, you never, never know, know with life and and the thing with me is that like everything everything that has come along in my life I've never known is going to come mm-hmm. like I've never gone all right that's going to be planned that's going to be planned when I moved here to the UK Connor and I, Connor and I had been sp- speaking for 5 months but I'd never said all right, this is the date I'm going. This is what I'm doing. It. I actually FaceTimed him on uh, my eviction. I came forth on Celebrity Big Brother. Mm-hmm. He FaceTimed him. He was at work and I was walking out. There's all these cameras and I'm in my gown. And I got home and I said, you know what? I'm packing my stuff. I'm just going to go and see what happens. And that's the type of person I am. I'm very yeah. just like spontaneous. spontaneous. Yeah. Do it. And so who knows? Who knows that. where I'll be? I love that. I love that. Um, I really loved hearing your story. Um, Often when I'm speaking to someone going through the struggle, um, one of the biggest advice I can give them is don't hide. Mm. And you didn't. You went through what really was like slaughtering in the media and such so much negative attention. And I think the one thing that you did, well, if I could pick one thing out, the fact you didn't hide you believe in yourself and you just go again and you go again. I think it's, it's you know, you were young, but you still, lots of people would have just gone, it's not for me. Media's not for me. Public spotlight's not for me. Um, and then gone to do something else or even just worse, just deteriorated. But um, I love how you didn't hide. I love how you were yourself and you expressed yourself consistently through all the successes and flaws, it just makes the most interesting journey, I think. So yeah. um, I love that about you and thank congratulations you. and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I've loved being here. I'm so excited. <laughs> it was, it, this is like, honestly, probably like one of the best podcasts I've done in a long time because I got to get raw, get deep and got to meet you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> now you're going to like do all of my cosmetics. <laughs> but thank you. Thank Fantastic. you. Thank you so much. It was so lovely. Yeah, Perfect. So we've just watched Jessica sharing so honestly. And a question I have is, why do we date people bad for us? Can I suggest that in some attractions, we can have unhealthy patterns? And it's not uncommon for people who have been traumatized early on in their life by early caregivers to actually display that by really poor partner selection that can lead to re-traumatization. What do I mean by that? I mean, let's say you were rejected by a key caregiver early on in life. You can then pick a partner who's going to potentially reject you. You feel chemistry because that partner's in that rejection pathway. And when they don't reject you, you feel on top of the world. But actually, some of the values you picked were trying to conquer this early rejection. So remember, chemistry does not mean connection. And partner selection should be done regarding core beliefs, such as, do you find kindness important? Do you find acceptance important? Do you find someone who speaks softly important? These are all bigger things than potentially chemistry. So what's the problem with this approach? Picking that powerful chemistry over connection can mean that we don't necessarily pick the best partner for our life. 
and we don't necessarily pick our best life in general. So what can we do? Pushing away from these toxic attachments, we need to think about what would be kindness, what would be our core beliefs, and try and go for those. Remember, friends and family are best place, so don't ignore them for that powerful chemistry, because just be careful, it could be a toxic attachment. The final thing I want to talk about is the emotional numbing. We talked about it um, in the podcast and Jessica mentioned about empathy and limited emotional range. Sometimes when we've gone through trauma, we can limit our emotions and we can believe we have no emotions or little emotions. This isn't true. This is what happens when we're in survival mode. When we're in survival mode, we narrow ourselves, we narrow our experience and we narrow our emotions. But for us to have intimate relationships, full relationships and a full life, we need to open up our emotions. We need to open up ourselves. My suggestion if you find yourself in this survival emotional numbing state is try and engage with your emotions in a safe place, a safe relationship. Try and experience things, try and open yourself up because I promise you the authentic you feeling emotions will lead to your best life. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what struggle there is in your life, if anyone can get through it, you can. Until next time, I hope you enjoy Jessica's podcast. <laughs>